Welcome to Talking Chalk Season 3. I'm your host, Jamie. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ian Tyler O'Neill. Good enough. How's it going, Ian? Feels great. Best draft ever. Was uh, Tyler O'Neill's WBC performance like on the forefront of your mind as you were excited to make that pick? I mean, I was excited the idea of maybe getting him even before the WBC, but uh, but yeah, he I mean he he just stat padded against Great Britain. I feel like <laughs> I I didn't watch any of the games, but you know I'm on the Twitter he went, so. against Great Britain, who obviously had no pitching. Uh, Canada scored like 20 runs against him. Tyler O'Neill went four for four and got like eight RBIs or something stupid like that. We uh we spoke after recording one of the previous pods, kind of offline about my nightmare scenario as I was mocking out the first round and it involved Taylor Ward and Tyler O'Neill falling to you and you just filling in this monster offense. And I'm glad only half of that came to fruition, but it's still, it's still pretty upsetting to me. Yeah. I, I was curious, you know, Tyler O'Neill was number one on my board. I was curious if he would fall. Uh, Yeah. Ward and O'Neill would have both been tough to pass up, but I mean, there was another offensive player who I think is just as good who fell to me in the third round too and Ryan Mountcastle so that's why I say it's like I you know this draft it's like the best ever yeah I'm feeling pretty good about it too although I say I think I I think there's something wrong if you think your team's not good after the draft uh yes and no I've definitely come out of drafts feeling like I could have done a little bit better but you know in both the picks that I've made and also wishing that I had more picks I'm sure there's guys like that uh today or you know but yeah there's a lot of roster baiting that goes on too (laughs) yeah it it was funny sitting next to duty as as guys went away before he had a pick the you know i I heard him a few times just be like like damn or fuck yeah it was also interesting like i've been trying to trade with this guy for months you know because i was convinced that him having some picks at the top of the draft was probably for his benefit and you know we had talked about I didn't want that many picks. I'd rather spread the the love out to further years. And mid-draft, he just kept throwing trade offers out at, at me. And, you know, none of them were close, but it seemed like he was feeling the lack of picks in those first seven rounds. Yeah, it was very uh remembrance of Mook a few years ago when he didn't have much picks and I mean, Mook just, you know, you could just watch the pain in his eyes. Mook was fucking took a nap between rounds four <laughs> and rounds eight this time. You know, I I support it though. You know, he had no kids around. He didn't have picks for 15 minutes. Take advantage of that time to get some rest. Just a little shut eye. All right. So we got a number of topics that we want to get to here. Uh, The first one you had written down was the rookie round. So just for everyone's knowledge, I'm sure you're doing it to them too, is uh, prior to the draft and the rookie draft, you were just kind of teasing how, how you thought the rookie round was going to be really interesting this year. And I was like, what is he talking about? I, I know there's a bunch of guys available, but were you kind of uh, teasing your your surprise move or that the the sneaky move that you made? I think it, yes. Yeah, I was kind of teasing that a little bit. I think there, and it didn't quite, well, I guess it did play out like this. I think we had talked about how, how everybody had kind of caught on to taking this year players in the rookie round. Whereas I think before we had multiple passes each year yep. of people wanting to be higher up, I think everybody prioritized getting this year guys. And that's when I kind of realized I would be number one. And that, and that's when Dylan Cruz started to, you know, you start to look ahead a little bit and that's where I, I think it was kind of a surprise. So I was kind of making sure and checking in with people. Cause I had two plans of if anybody passed ahead of me, then I was going to take somebody Right. But if I knew I was going to have number one, which meant, you know, Dylan Cruz, hopefully in the summer, then 
you know, I was prepared to pass. So yeah, I was teasing that a little bit. Believe it or not, I was picked one pick behind you. I had the exact same plan. If somebody passed, and I and I figured I did, and that's why you know a few weeks ago I sent you that gif of the P Diddy stare down, and I'm like, this is gonna be us in the rookie round. Yeah, and I I was honestly not tracking that you would have the same plan, so I didn't. I just thought you were just excited about the guys that were available, and there's quite a few. And I was, and there really about them was. Too. Yeah, I mean, there was there was plenty of guys available that I could have taken that would have made my team better. Uh, but I yeah. Prioritize Dylan Cruz was just too good to pass up. Especially in years when you don't have a lot of draft capital, you need those this year rookies. But this year I had so much draft capital, I figured to myself, you know what? Any guy that I'm taking is probably going to be like an extra fifth or sixth round pick. And I've got plenty of those. I don't need to do that. So that's where my head was at on on passing there. But you passed. And 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 that's why I I figured you would be in the same headspace as me. Uh, And me, fortunately, although I didn't have as many picks as you, I had enough early round picks where it was a relatively easy decision for me. Yeah. And on the way in, uh, Brendan and I walked into Evan's uh, very large, beautiful house together. And uh, Brendan mentioned that he might be taking Taylor Ward, or at least, you know, that's his thought process. Ward was a guy I was interested in. And I was like, damn, I'm I'm probably not going to get that outfielder in the first round that I wanted because I had less interest in Tyler O'Neill because I don't watch WBC. Uh so that that's where my head was at. Like, yeah, let me just plug in Yoshida here. So when you passed, uh, Yoshida kind of made sense for me. And then the the thing I really wanted to avoid happening, and I, I mentioned it at the draft, but for those that didn't overhear, I did not want Halski to end up with the number one waiver to be able to take Dylan Cruz with Corbin Carroll and and uh, Churio and just have like this monster outfield uh, of the future. The, the law firm 2.0 law firm, yeah of, of the the c's whatever you're going to call them this time the, I, think the, gonna, I, I think we're gonna go what cruise cruise carol and Churio. right right uh yeah that would have been terrifying so at the very least i was going to save the the league from that but i'm glad that you have now but we still let him get baby bonds at the end of the day we did let him get baby bonds. you know what the more i mean i was aware of that guy he has been compared to like uh, Juan Soto Jr. This guy's junior everyone. If you were a great, <laughs> if you were a great hitter, this guy's junior that. I, I, I just love the nickname Baby Bonds. I mean, and I'm won't... surprised that you know we're we're going on, you know, probably 15 or so years since Bonds retired, and I'm surprised it's taken that long for a nickname like that to come along. I mean, the guy walked like 28 percent of the time um, at one level last year, so I think that's where it comes from. Bonds known more from for walks rather than power, which is kind of strange, but also makes some sense because dude used to walk like 150 times a year, uh, like 50. Yeah, there's a, there was some stupid on-base percentage number seasons in there. Some some uh, some YouTube clips of Bonds uh, being intentionally walked with the bases loaded, just, just give him the one run. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I watch those every so often. They hit my feed. All right, uh, so... Yeah, and I'm going to talk about it as we talk about individual teams. But uh, does did the number one pick in the rookie round surprise you at all? It shocked me. Yeah, I and I heard about it the night before. Bill told me the night before who he was taking, and yeah, you because know, like I said, I was just as much as the first round. I was trying to chart out. I was trying to chart out the rookie round. Uh, and and the one person who I thought might have passed ahead of me is Mook was thinking about maybe passing if he didn't. He didn't think he'd get Senga. Uh, so anyway, so I'm checking kind of the guys ahead of him that I could, and I, 
I hadn't, I had to Google Oscar Koalas. I didn't know who it was. And I don't know if that's something that I've just totally missed or does that say something that, you know, I, I think he certainly would have gone in the rookie round, I guess, but I think him at number one was a little bit out of left field was never on, you know, my top when I'm ranking six or seven guys of who I would be prepared to take was never even in the consideration of that for me. Yeah. It's kind of like the reverse of the, uh, the Ronald Acuna thing from five years ago where you and I were both kind of fighting over the uh, Acuna and Mook came in like, well, I guess Jamie and Goody like this guy. I might as well claim him. This is like the reverse case where you and I haven't heard of this guy. Uh, so you also were, were I, aware. I, I had not, uh, I was not aware he was in contention for number one. I, I know he's on the periphery of like a young guy that was going to get a job, but he's not on any of the top lists. You know, I look at you know, all the dynasty rankings and uh, top 100 lists. He's not on any of those. Fangrass has him as a, like a 60 grade raw power, which is, is fine, but like a 45 uh, future value overall. He had great success at each level last year. He saw three levels, A, double A, triple A, but, you know, we'll see if that translates. And I guess he he is going to be starting right away, though. I, yeah, I think so. Um, I I wonder, so Bill, I asked Bill what, what he was thinking of doing, uh, and he was being a little cryptic about it, like wondering whether the guy who's going to take would even make it to him in the regular draft. And, you know, I wasn't I wasn't sure what he was really talking about, but I guess it makes sense. He wanted this guy who's worried that he would not make it to him later on. But I feel like this guy would not have been drafted in the the rookie round if Bill hadn't. Yeah, I, I mean, I think somebody might have taken him later on towards the end of it, maybe. But but yeah, I think there's a good chance. Like, I can't see any of the other managers, at least ahead of me. Or, you know, it, it'd be tough to make an argument for this guy over any other guys that were picked right after him, given those managers situations and who they took. Yep. But again, you and I are infallible. So this guy can come up and be another, you know, Cespedes and, or, and you want to know what I always say, if you really like a guy and you're sold on him, you know, go, go and get him. Yep. Then Brendan went Felix Batista. I think everybody and, knew that that was like the top this. And that guy. was, I think the guy we all expected to go number one. Uh, right. I know Bill had been looking to trade the number one waiver to see if somebody was interested. And I think mostly for Batista, uh, you know, Batista's, uh, you know, not quite, I'd say on the, what was the Diaz and the the class a tier, but very much in that secure uh, we said top 10 closers that, you know, both have the job, great stuff, you know, not going to, not going to be traded off his team. Check, check, check. Yeah. I probably would have thrown a, a second at bill to swap waivers and he probably could have gotten Colas at my waiver position uh, and got an extra second. I would have got Batista for in basically. Were you aware round. that he was looking to trade it? Cause I, yeah, I, 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 I had Batista valued at a second round pick as well. I, I mean, yeah, I think Batista probably should have gone first round, but I was not willing to take a closer first round. So I would have been happy with getting him at second. And I definitely wanted to have done that trade. So that was probably a, a lost opportunity uh, to pick up a second round pick. Uh, but no, I was not aware. Uh, I thought, yeah. thought Perry did a good job picking. It's, you know, somewhat chalk, but I think Jackson Holiday is the best future value hitter that's, you know, currently in the minors and not. And that's where, LSU. yeah, I think both, both of these picks made sense from, like I said, Batista being kind of best this year value available of, like I said, where he would go in the draft. Uh, and then Jackson Holiday, I think of who was left was the best, you, you know, 
the highest ranked, highly regarded prospect who was actually available. He's consensus top 10 on a lot of top 100 lists this year. All of those other guys are already claimed, you know, whether it be James Wood or Churio or whoever, uh, but Jackson Holiday's there. Now the problem with Holiday, and I know Mook was kind of interested in him or, you know, I was considering, okay, if I get a pass, maybe I take him is that he's just so far away. And we talked about in our league, how, you know, holding a guy from age 19, to the point that he makes his major league debut, you're talking a solid two to three years. Right. It, he was a guy that for me, again, with my plan to pass and perhaps wait for a cruise, this was one where I was like, who would I prefer holiday or cruise in this case? Like if holiday drops to me, am I willing to pass for cruise and not, not take Jackson holiday. And ultimately I think I would have taken holiday just because of my team composition. He's a shortstop or infielder. I definitely need that. But I think that that's, you're right. You know, he's probably an extra year, a year and a half uh, further than a, a college junior like Cruz is. But I think that was a premium talent. You know, that's what we chase in this league is premium talent. And uh, Josh is not the kind of guy that churns the waiver wire anyway. He kind of plants a flag on these these guys and, and waits the two or three years. And honestly, like a lot of his talent comes from those picks. He's made some good picks in the past. Uh, yeah. No, he, I mean, to give Perry credit, he actually has, like you said, he doesn't uh, churn it much, but he's seemed to have a pretty good hit rate on getting keeper players out of guys that he selects via the waiver or the rookie round. And also, you know, uh, he has a good hit rate and I mentioned he doesn't churn, but he, this year, especially like he had uh lighter and uh hassle and he dropped both. So it's not like he's holding on to those guys for two or three years. Like he realizes they're probably not guys to hold on to anymore. And he's moved on to, uh, to bigger and better I things. Yeah, and that's the efficient, like you said, not wasting the spots and realizing, okay, I'll drop both of them. And I also, I'll talk about this just while we're at his pick. I thought it was great for him to get a sixth-round pick, uh, facilitating the baby bonds move for Housky, you know, somebody who didn't have picks. I thought that, you know, that was a more than fair price for that, and I think just good for Perry given his situation of getting both the highest-end rookie talent available uh, that you could claim today and then, you know, getting a, an extra sixth-round pick. Yeah, I guess the only thing is with the lack of picks, could he have taken a this year guy? Like if he had taken Hunter Brown there, uh, rather than trading for the sixth <laughs> round pick, it's it's probably better. Like even if he take uh Johan Duran, it's like probably better than whoever he got in the sixth round. And I'm not even tracking who he got, but there was there was guys that slipped that I think would would have been good for him anyway. Um uh, Yeah, but- no, that is a good point. It's like you and and turned out like Hunter Brown being an example. And I know Mook was trying to do the same type of trade that uh Housky did to get another shot at Brown and you know I ended up taking Brown in the fourth round yeah so yeah Josh could have probably gotten Hunter Brown there uh fourth round value and I think a guy that I was tracking also he was on my top eight like I I knew I needed eight names uh in that rookie round and and he was definitely there as well uh just decided to go a different direction I was gosh I was very surprised that that was the biggest one that him him lasting the entirety of the rookie round and not being taken with how much hype he's had uh and maybe it got toned down because he like tweaked his back or something. But uh, I think that yeah, that's... I can't imagine that would dissuade people from taking him who otherwise would because it's. I mean, he threw yesterday again, and yeah. seems like he's fine. And and especially given the fact that we knew before the draft, you know, a lot of times these teams' rotations aren't determined uh, prior to the draft. A lot of them were actually kind of being announced right. today, 
And it's like we've known for weeks that Hunter Brown was going to be the Astros' number five starter. Yeah, Lance Lance McCullers and his uh, ever ever injured body uh, ensured that. So, but that was the thing. Like I think you know a month and a half ago, or going into spring training, it was like, all right, Brown's not quite there yet, but he'll get a shot at some point because you know five starters never stay healthy in a major league rotation, let alone one that has Lance McCullers in it. But then it's like we've known for at least a few weeks that Brown has had this job. Yeah. Yeah, very surprising there. So yeah, you mentioned uh, Mook at four took Senga. I think that was a a great you know this year guy plugs in uh, with Mook's early picks. Also, he's he's got a pretty interesting team. Uh, so Senga just adds to that. Probably a good you know fifth or sixth starter, maybe higher at a certain point, but he should be a good reliable guy. Um, and it's nice that Mook was able to get him the rookie round. Yeah, I think he's somebody who have a decently high floor. But I mean, it's there's always such these unknowns when obviously players come over from Japan and, you know, some, I think this is one of those things I think Mook saw. I remember when Mook saw him pitch for the first time in spring training was, you know, it, you know, the scout and Mook definitely was impressed with his stuff. And that, yeah. that actually made me when Mook said that uh, highly regard Sanga a little bit more and look at him more closely. And I kind of moved him up by ranks. Yeah. I was watching Jordan Walker highlights all spring and he, you know, he struck Jordan Walker out with the, the ghost fork ball or whatever. It's pretty uh, awesome pitch. And yep. then the the next pitch, Edward Cabrera, this one kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, he was not on my list. So that was a guy that I, I kind of missed. But I think that was a really good pick by Mook. He had a, a great start on Saturday during the draft. He carved up some Cardinals. Uh, and yeah, I think this is a really solid pick by Mook. I, He's been on my list for since I first started preparing. I uh, really like Edward Cabrera. I think, you know, I, and other people have compared him to Luis Castillo. And I see it a lot in just kind of his arsenal. Uh He's got the, you know, whatever the 90, 90 plus mile an hour change up. Yeah, that's right. That's disgusting. Uh, you know, you, and he looked, he looked good enough last year. I think you, you obviously are betting on some improvement in year two, but uh, definitely, you know, I think a, a great pick for speed. And like I said, somebody who I originally, when I was looking at this, you know, was hoping would, would fall in May. Yeah. The, uh, and then Evan follows it up with Joey Manessis. Uh, I made a joke at the time, like, can a, a almost 31-year-old actually be rookie eligible? And, and this guy is. He kind of just seems like that quad A type player. Uh, he's been the last several years in, in AAA. Putting helped, up stats. helped Evan win a championship last year, though. Had a great, yeah, whatever 50 it was, I guess, sample. last two yep. months. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had, he had WRC plus of 156. He was awesome. Uh, you know, that came with a bad bit of 371. And, uh you know, we'll see whether he's able to repeat that. I guess that was surprising to me that he was taken so high in the rookie draft. Um, there are still some really good closers with the job that were available that I thought would take be taken. Um, but yeah, especially for, for Evan, who didn't really have any picks to be able to the shot to get a closer when you don't aren't able to get one otherwise you think would make sense. But I think this this made sense when I heard it was, you know, it fit into kind of, you know, he just feels like one of Evan's guys just because. You, you know, because he had him on his team last year and and he was really good. So I, you know, I got it. It made sense to me, you know, when when I saw him make that pick. Yeah, guy that was on my radar too, uh, has first base and outfield eligibility, especially since we added the infield slot. Just having that first base and outfield eligibility means they can play in a I, bunch of spots. I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, I love guys who can play infield and outfield. It's yep. just, even if it's something just as first base, it's like that extra slot that you're able to play them in somewhere uh, really helps a lot. 
in the day-to-day -day management of things. I kind of make like a list of those guys specifically. At least I did this year because I knew I wanted at least one of them. Uh, and he was definitely on that list. So then you you pass. Uh, I take Yoshida, who, you know, was a fourth outfielder for me. Uh, probably third outfielder until Bryce comes back. Uh, Houseki has to pass because he's got two excellent rookies. So he's he's lined up with the second waiver now. Uh, ben takes uh, Alexis Diaz, who's probably got the job. Uh, for Cincinnati to be the closer. And, got and I think stuff. this is interesting in that. So Batista was, we thought a clear cut number one available as the closer should, you know, probably should have gone one, but went number two. Then you had a pretty good gap of mostly, you know, the other avenues. And then it's the, the uh, under hundred inning pitch closers that start to come off. Right. Yeah. I mean, Diaz, Duvall there, Duran. I had all those guys on my list of, you know, Guys that either have the job. I think Diaz has the job. Um, Duvall has the job. Duran's probably should have the job, but might not. And I thought all those guys would go, and, and they did eventually. Yeah, and and Lang with Detroit as well. I mean, obviously, it's like Diaz and Lang aren't on as good of teams, but they seem to have the full job, And uh, whereas Duran probably should have it eventually, but is going to split in the meantime. How about uh, Ricky's pick of Andrew Painter there? What do you think of that? I, uh, I'm not a huge fan. Just there's always the unknowns with pitching. And then you, this guy already has an arm trouble. And I think this guy could have gone to Evan uh, if he didn't have the hurt elbow. Uh, once again, you know, one of those guys who considered, I think it'd probably be either him or Perez is being considered the best pitching prospects. And then you add the injury with Painter. And yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of, you know, the the Philly premium it, it could that, be that occurs in this league at times uh so I think I, I don't love it but once again I you know if 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 Ricky likes him that much and he probably wouldn't have got him if he was hurt so right. that opportunity he may have saw it as that opportunity presenting himself uh to get a guy that he otherwise wouldn't have gotten uh so you know, that's where I guess I yeah. see it from that side yeah he likely would have been a top three or four pick if he was healthy um, so 19 year old on the, he was on the verge of pitching in the major. So it's not like he was at single A and you got to wait two years on him. Uh, I, and, I, like I, and I guess your hope is, and it may even work out well enough that, you yeah. know, he mm -hmm. delays into this year, his elbow turns out fine. He throws 70, 80 innings yep. and then you get to carry him over in the next year. Yep. And it's all, and he's already got that, like the rookie jitter, like jitters out of the, the way. And he's got a sophomore season, but you get him as a, as a rookie. Uh, I think that 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 could be that could absolutely happen. There's a great chance it happens. Uh, there's also a great chance that he's has to get Tommy that he John needs and, Tommy John surgery. But you know what? Then it's just it's the 11th rookie waiver, and you just toss it away and get the next. And guy. that actually, I guess, yeah, that does make some more sense now. And that if as long as you go into it with that approach of, okay, if he gets Tommy John, then I drop him and I claim you know, I claim somebody else. Yeah. You're not going to wait for him for two and a half years. Cause you know, yeah. this is a guy who's also got to build up innings too. Like he, he, does not have a ton of innings. It's always challenging to bring those guys along. And if they get Tommy John before they've even built up the innings, God, it's like a probably a three-year journey. So, yeah, you drop those guys immediately. Yeah. Uh, Trevor got Duvall. Uh, again, a guy that Ricky could have kept, rookie kept, but did not. That seems like a value bleed there. Um, and he, then, def he defended, though. He said he didn't want to put up a Gabe Kapler. Jesus. And at some point you just have to hold your nose and be like, all right, Gabe, do it, you know, do it to me, do your worst. Uh, yeah. 
because I think you know Duvall's is pretty good. Um, Pat passes obviously is is written there in in parentheses because he's got you know he has four rookies probably all worth a rookie slot. Um, unfortunately, that sets him up with a third waiver now. Um, so it's it's you Housky and Pat. So I don't like anything about that that uh, that rookie the, the, waiver the top, order right yeah. now. Yeah. And I, you got to imagine Pat will probably be sitting there for a while because I think it's very safe that at least two of his guys from this year will still be rookie eligible for next year. And so, uh, well, I think Pat's likely going to try to take the um, the pitcher slash hitter from Florida that does pitching and hitting, and then he's going to try to fight the league slash committee slash whoever to have single players rather than split players. Now that we've moved to fan tracks. That's what I anticipate. We shall see. Yeah. Which I think we would have always preferred that format originally, but we never had a choice. But I, I think it's tough to do now if you have it. That's a whole other discussion and rabbit hole. We don't need to go <laughs> down. But it's like, you know, it's like, then it's like, well, you can't have a rule for one guy and then not for the other. And, you know, yeah. We'll stick a pin in that. We'll talk about it a little yeah, bit later. Yeah, move it on. All right. Uh, Duty took Alex Lang. I was surprised he went before Duran because I feel like Duran's better and Lang's got possibilities, but but I guess it didn't really matter. It didn't. Uh, then Baby Bonds and Duran rounds it out. So yeah, a very interesting rookie round. I'd, I'd say all in all, most teams made uh, made selections. The teams that passed, some of them did it strategically, like you, uh, to set up future picks. And there was trades and second round picks this year that there aren't often. Uh, so yeah, great rookie round. And it was great. I'm just gonna throw in. Uh... During while this was all going on, Dylan Cruz, I think, went like eight for nine on Saturday with two home runs. Just okay. Finally started hitting some home runs. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I'm glad that you're excited about your your pick and your future outfielder. Um, yeah. That that I'll see in like 2025. I'm I'm sh- I'm sure he'll be up at the tail end of next year. Who knows? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He's a he's a junior, so he's like 21, so he'll be up. Uh, yeah. All right. Next up was let's talk about the the first round and kind of the early draft. Um, what did you did you find anything surprising? You know, those first several picks. First thing that sticks out to me is the the so it's funny. Like I got to know the first four picks before the draft, and they were all guys that were in my top ten. So it's like, okay, this isn't shaping up well. I'm looking, you know, at that point. You know, and I knew this going to the draft. It's like, man, you know, it looks like all the guys that are in my 10 are going to go in front of me. And then all of a sudden, I and I always had no idea really what Mook and Trevor were going to do. Them going closer, closer, yeah. just all of a sudden freed up. That was what freed up, you know, the top guys on my board to fall down to me. And so that was the biggest surprise. I think, I think closers have gone this high before, but they were, it would be like, it would make sense to me if Diaz was still available or like class a going three made sense. Devin Williams and Romano, I think are, you know, they're, they're in that top 10 of closers, but I just don't put them on the same level as class a and what Diaz was. And yeah. So for those two to go ahead, I think was surprising to me, but it obviously helped me out a lot. So I was really happy with it. Yeah. And in some of my mocks, uh, those guys, Devin Williams and Romano basically made it all the way down to Housky at the end of the first round. And he was like double picking closers in, in some of my mocks because those were guys that I was never going to take with my picks. But I, I understood they're probably going to go first round, late first, early second, like Presley did to Pat in the second. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Once 
Mook and Trevor took those guys at five and six, it opened up a world of possibilities because suddenly there was a whole bunch of guys available for me. And then I, I took guys that you you likely had no interest in Tim Anderson. So, you know, you probably had, you know, five of your top 10 available to you at that point too. And that's exactly what I played out. Like I had Kershaw in my top 10, but I Anderson wasn't on my board because I don't think I could play him yeah. unless I played him at utility at that point. So yeah, uh, I was... I was happy with uh, with that as well. Uh, and yeah, so, I mean, from to talk about this quickly from Mook and Trevor's pr- perspective, I guess it's it's kind of like goes back to, I think, what you said in the last pod of like, it just feels good to have, I guess, an anchor closer when you right. know you can get one. And, you know, there's a chance, I guess, you get caught out of it by the time the next time your pick comes around or something. So uh, I don't know. I it seems like they were each kind of, they wanted to get a closer and were kind of stuck in that they were so high there, but weren't sure they would get one of the guys they wanted later. And it's like, that's where you go. I'd be curious if, if that's, or if they on the flip side, didn't weren't as intrigued by the starters or whoever else was available. Yeah. I mean, for Mook, I feel like he's got such a good keeper set. And we talked about last week, like he's got risk in his keepers, but they're all really good. If he, if he hits on the, like the high end of the, uh, the injury variance luck, you know, he's going to have a great team. I think it makes sense for him to add that. I feel like Trevor is a guy in terms of keeper value who has one of the worst keeper sets. You know, Pat, it's basically Pat who intentionally has a bad keeper set. And then Trevor, uh, I feel like Trevor probably could have used that pick to build like a, a better keeper set, like a Lodolo or Luzardo. Um, you know, one of those types of guys, even, a, even a Tyler O'Neill. Uh, so the yeah, pick- upside didn't make as much sense to me for Trevor there. I, I guess I get it for Mook, though it was still a little surprising. We we talked pre-draft. I had no clue what those two guys were thinking, so they were going to be absolute wild cards. And they, they did something we didn't expect, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was going back and forth uh, all offseason about Tim Anderson versus Bogarts. I figured one or perhaps both of those guys would be there. I need infield help. I've got a ton of outfield. So weighing those guys, Bogey just felt like a guy that was maybe going to age a little bit faster. He's not stealing very much um so went with anderson i know i think you and i've talked about him before he's like one of those magic guys that just hits 300 but doesn't walk at all and is probably not also going to age terribly but i feel he's probably uh got another year or two in in him and i don't necessarily need yeah in a, in a one year yeah like in a yeah. one year they gets it's almost like he's kind of like adam jones but in the infield at batting 300 these days is kind of like batting 330 a decade ago like the the line yeah. has shifted for 300 batters uh, and so- I think so that had to be tough to weigh though, because with Bogey versus him, you like you figure Bogarts is in a way better lineup, but for the sure. difference is obviously you're right, he just doesn't run as much. Bo- the upside for Bogarts felt like 18 home runs, like six stolen bases, and he he basically has to hit 300 to be like a premium stat, and then a bunch of runs in RBI. Whereas it felt like Anderson was likely going to bat 300 and then have probably the same number of home runs as Bogarts just no uh or just a, a ton more of more sir more yeah. sure for the 15 plus steals i feel yeah, like yeah 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 plus he went to driveline this offseason so you know that's that great <laughs> that's our favorite thing yep. i think he went for like a single day there's some guys that are like devotees like they're there all all offseason and then there's the guy like mookie bets like the dodgers are like you have to go to driveline and he like he went to make an appearance. He was there for a day. They recorded his shit. And he's like, get me the hell out of here. I'm a 10-time <laughs> all-star. I think Tim Anderson was the same way. Uh, so not a real driveline stay. And then my second pick was uh, basically Kershaw versus Robbie Ray. Like, I kind of had Ray, 
you know, more innings pitch, like you mentioned a half skill on the way out, uh, you know, 180 innings pitch, probably 200 Ks. Uh, but yeah, you know, I had to go with the, the love of my life, Clayton Kershaw, uh, especially with the excess of picks that I had this year. You know, if I just had fewer picks, uh, the injury risk of Kershaw, probably not worth it, but, uh, the luxury that I had this year, I was able to, to make that pick. So happy about that. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the right mindset. Like Housky not have, I mean, Housky didn't have the decision, but it's like Ray is, is definitely, you know, much more sure to give you 30 starts, whereas Kershaw's numbers are going to be better, but probably only 20 starts. And you look at even the projections, like even with Ray's 180 innings and Kershaw's 130, like the whips and the ERAs make Kershaw sometimes more valuable in most of the calculators and stuff I was looking at, which is wild to me because like pitching innings is important. Yeah, I mean, it is, and it obviously builds value, and it's good to, you know, we always need to fill those, but, you know, we play in a week-to-week league, too, so it's like, you know, if if Kershaw's healthy, if they're both healthy at that point in the season, then it's important. You'd rather have, right. you know, you're more, you feel more comfortable with Kershaw throwing that week than Ray, all else equal. Sure, yeah, you want Kershaw to miss his six weeks in, you know, June, July, not August, September. Uh, yeah, that's just what you hope for. preference, yep. And and when you draft them, you know you're signing up for that that six week yeah. IL stint. So um, what have you? That, that's when he goes to Africa or wherever. But I always say what's great about Kershaw is he doesn't, you know, he doesn't pitch when he's not right. You know, he doesn't go in there try to pitch hurt and have right. a terrible game. You know, he'll get scratched the day before or the morning of, but it'll be because he can't go out there and be Clayton Kershaw. And he's also a guy that has survived the velocity drop. Like he's sitting at 91 and it, or like 90 and he's fine. Like he's, he's obviously not what he yeah, was. I mean, on a, ago, yeah. He but... had one of, one of his best years in the recent last yep. few years last year. He was phenomenal last year. So he's, he's like sliding into that old man, like pitching mentality of like, you know, deception and, you know, using the count and, you know, the sequencing in his favor. And he's still got excellent, you know, slider curveball. So uh, yeah, we'll see whether he can uh, age gracefully and, you know, over the next few years. And then, uh, you know, Luzardo for you, this, this was a guy that I just like, I knew that you were going to retake in the first. Round. I was a big, I mean, I, I drafted him aggressively last. So I mean, O'Neill was number one on my board. So I knew I was taking yep. him there. Uh, originally I want, I was going to always go two starters unless O'Neill fell was my big thing. And, but yeah, Luzardo was the neck was my highest ranked pitcher on my board uh, who I just wanted the most. I think I just, I, I was big and aggressive on taking him last year other than him missing a couple months with an injury in the middle of the year, uh, he, you know, he did everything that I expected last year. And more importantly, he finished really strong when he came back. So I just think the combination of, you know, what he showed last year, um, you know, always liking him as a prospect beforehand. I, you know, it was a little bit of, t- it was a little tough to say Lizardo over Lodolo and Robbie Ray there. Uh, but I just, you know, everything I kind of looked at and so much I watch and, you know, um, there might've been a little bit of bias there of, you know, me being so into Lizardo before, but uh, it was a, you know, it was a relatively easy decision for me, I think. Yeah. So did you have Ray, you know, similarly with Lizardo uh, or were, it was Lizardo like. So I always had Lizardo uh, above everybody else just because I knew like I would want him back and I would have kept him if it wasn't for the value of our show was just so good. I just kind of rationalized I'd be fine with Varsho and Robbie Ray or Varsho and Clayton Kershaw. Then, you know, I didn't need to, I was, I was okay with that and dropping Lizardo back in, I guess, but I always wanted him back as a top priority. I had, uh, 
I had so many guys that I thought were going to be second round pitchers or like, I knew that if I didn't take him in the first, there was a chance that I could get him in the second, but it was not a sure thing. And Luzardo was there. Uh, guys like Snell, like I thought Snell might even go in that, that first round or like the tail end of the first I, round. I had Snell second. as a first round and we'll, yep. we can talk about that a little bit after this, but I, yeah, I just, uh, you know, Lizardo was that, I mean, I think he has a potential to be as good as a pitcher pretty much as anybody. I mean, he's got, you know, he started to throw show a three pitch mix, um, you know, got his command under control last year, all that, like all the things, you know, you would have thought he would have done a year or two ago, kind of finally doing uh, and then Tyler O'Neill for me was just, I get why other people pass on it, but I had him as the number one ranked player, yeah. uh, mostly because, you know, it's upside. It's, you know, he had a great year in 2021. Last year, he had some injuries, but he still, like on a per game rate stat, was still kind of pushing into the 30-30 territory. I think he had like 14 home runs and 15 steals or something like that. Uh, so I just think that, you know, he's still relatively young. Uh, the power and speed combination. I get why other people pass because he is a little bit higher risk, both due to injuries and his propensity to strike out, swing and miss, go in slumps, et cetera. But for my offense, it's the perfect risk reward there of, I already, you know, pretty much have a good keeper set of an offense where it's like, if O'Neill, you know, hits that ceiling, then it's just a huge bonus. But if right. he's not, it's, you know, I, I'm fine. Right. So it was just kind of a good luxury pick of having two first round picks of always knowing. And that's why I had him ranked so high. Cause I felt like he was the, the biggest impact bat there. Yeah. I wonder if he potential, if he should have gone higher. Like I, I thought I also had him number one, you know, in my projections and value wise, like um, I, I thought that. And I even, I think I, at one point, cause I thought for sure Pat would take him because he just seemed like a Pat type guy. You right. know, with the, you know, the, the barrel rates and the strikeouts and all that, <laughs> you know, I, I told Bill, he should take him number one. I thought, you know, I, so I thought he would have gone to Pat. I kind of told Bill, you know, weeks ago, I think he should consider him at one. I, I think he would have made a lot of sense to either Brendan or Trevor. Yeah. I wonder if Brendan could have gone uh, just that, that nightmare scenario that I talked about for you. Just oh, Ward or, and then, or yeah. Uh, Cause he's a guy also that kind of needs that that talent now class a was you know probably my number one target like if he had fell to me i would have been so happy so i understand that um why brendan took him there but brent brendan ended up with class a and batista so he's got a really nice one-two punch there for yeah I, I did like that a lot for brendan of getting the closer in the rookie round and then getting class a so that was nice but yeah uh surprised that o'neill went you know slipped to you um but yeah good for you but I think I think people's opinions on him vary greatly. I mean, I think like right. speed was shocked he got to me, but other guy obviously a lot of guys passed and weren't as interested. So honestly, would would Duty have won the league last year if Tyler O'Neill was what he was two years ago instead of injured? Like Duty's team was so good, and that was with a, a and that was with O'Neill, O'Neill not really giving him a ton. Yeah, because two years ago it looked like God Duty lit the world you know on fire with that that pickup, and uh, you know he's had an excellent keeper set, and that really set up his twenty twenty two. Yeah. Uh Lodolo falls to Pat. I thought, you know, I thought Lodolo would go earlier as well. I had him as like a top five or six pick. Maybe I was reading different hype uh than I, other people. So he was I know he was considered by both Pat and Brendan at different points leading into the draft at yeah. either so he could have gone easily anywhere from two to four. Uh I think you know, I think Mook would have thought of him highly, but I don't know. I think the big thing with him and the reason why you know, I, and I had him pretty close to Lazarder for myself is just the durability. He's never thrown 
you know, prior to last year, he had never thrown, I think, more than 50 innings in a professional season. Right. He had back issues last year. Uh, but I mean, just great stuff though. Yeah, maybe maybe Trevor rather than taking uh you know Romano there should have thought about the O'Neill uh or the Lodolo pick to try to build out like a, a young keeper set because you know his his outfield's pretty trash and you know starters have injury issues with Severino and Bueller now. So maybe that would have been a more ideal pick, at least if, if I was drafting in that in that spot. But obviously we're all different. Yeah. Trevor and I especially. Uh, so next up is uh, in, in, in things in <laughs> fantasy and everything else. Sure. Uh, so next up is Perry spot. He traded this uh, pick away for Jordan Montgomery, I think, uh, from Bill. So yeah. Bill, you know, Xander Bogarts dropped to Bill. Xander Bogarts also very high on all the values charts that I had. Again, largely on the strength of those counting stats, runs and RBIs more so than home runs and. Uh, stolen bases which people don't you know i think they are so focused on home runs and stolen bases you know know, what does this guy do is he a power guy or a speed guy you kind of lose the fact that yeah there's a difference between 90 runs 90 rbis and 70 runs 70 rbis it's pretty substantial yeah it really is and especially you know i i think some guys do have a little bit of a propensity if they you know put the ball and play more or whatever to get more rbis but obviously being on a good team helps a lot and Bogertz, as much as he was still a very good player the last couple of years, Boston's offense hasn't wasn't quite as good last year. And he's moving to now one of one of the best offenses in the league where he's going to bat, you know, in the top third of the order with, you know, Tatis and Soto either in front or behind him or however you move it around. Yeah. And surprisingly, last year, even in a kind of a putrid boston offense he was a really highly ranked player in a quote-unquote kind of down season for him it's not like he hit 28 home runs or stole 20 yeah no and i I think you know i think this was a great pick for bill i think it the draft played well i know he was considering him at one at one point uh you know which made sense it's kind of a i think his his four is at least a uh you know, a keepable level offensive player, you oh, yeah. know, where it's like that keeper or first round pick, at least where it's, it's like, okay, he's, I can rely on him to be positive value for me, you know, throughout the year. Uh, you know, it's like we said, a ceiling's kind of limited in terms of, you know, the power and speed aspect, but, you know, for Bill to get him with at the end of the first round, I think just played really nicely to him and he just, it, it's, it helps his team out a lot, I think. Yeah. We'll talk about Bill a little bit later as we kind of focus on individual managers but yeah there that that pick there at 12 uh really good for him like you said i i had him mocked to take bogey you know number one because I, I just thought that was kind of a bill move and uh it makes sense they do definitely take him at, at 12 yeah it's one of those which is checks it's both good value and a great team fit i feel like yeah and then after that housey came in with his two first round picks got brian and ray uh, Ray was a guy that I thought would go to you or me kind of in the middle. Uh, so he's kind of slipped to Housky and was scooped up. Bryant was one of those guys kind of like the pitchers I thought would, you know, would go in the second round. Or if I, if I wanted him, I would have to take him first round. Bryant was kind of similar. I thought that he was kind of a, a second round, uh, guy, but you know, take, yeah, I had, I had Bryant Chuck, you know, I plan to not get O'Neill. So I kind of had him in that third round consideration list for myself to get one of those outfielders, like you know, like a Yelich or, uh, or Bryant. And so, yeah, Bryant at the end of the first was a little rich to me, but on the other hand, I think, yeah, Ray was a great value at the end of the first round for Housky falling yeah. right to him. 
Brian and uh, Taylor Ward had kind of similar projections and values. I think Ward just has like the sexy, like, could it be factor? Like if he performs like the first third of little, last year, little younger. I mean, they yeah. both have injury histories kind of, although Bryant seems to be more extensive now. Right. And then you got Bryant, you know, on the Rockies yeah. and Ward on the eight. Whereas like Ward is going to be batting in front of Trout and Otani. Right. You know, and if Brian's going to be, Brian's going to be protected by Mike Moustakis. Right. And, no, I, and, I thought that was, that was fine enough. Uh, I mean, there, Maybe I prefer someone different there. I don't really know who. Maybe press. Maybe Presley, uh, Ray. But I think Brian Ray is is just fine for Housky. I liked a lot of. And, and I guess you know you're you're really making the leap that it's it's kind of saying okay we'll get you know we'll probably get at least one more full healthy season from Bryant before Someday. he dies and goes away. So and it's you know that's going to be in in cores, which is a great hitting environment. So you're I guess you're making the bet that okay this is going to be that year right 100 145 games uh you know and honestly Adam really highly rated coming into last year you know all the projections and things and going to cores he's going to uh, have a high batting average and counting stats so maybe that comes to fruition this year uh any other early draft kind of surprise you want to point out because i do want to kind of run through each of the teams eventually after. yeah yeah i mean it was good first run through the first round. i think just kind of other early picks i guess you'd say uh that kind of went on uh you know uh freddie peralta went first pick in the second round he's a guy i love his talent but you know obviously his ability to make 30 starts i think is really in question uh but for bill i like the the upside of that pick a lot just you know to to take another shot on there um, I was, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Rasmussen hater, so I didn't love that. I, the biggest thing that sticks out to me, at least from my perspective. And I think I couldn't believe that both Snell and Mountcastle, who I had as first round values, they were in my Mountcastle wasn't in my top 10 because it wasn't a need for me, but that those guys who I thought for sure would have been first round picks fell all the way to the third round. Uh, there was probably, I'm trying to think of anybody else in this list who really fell, you know, far much farther than I would have thought of. But I was, I mean, I was thrilled about that. And me and Halski were sitting there next to me. He was shocked about it too. So, uh, so yeah, that's that stuck out to me. I think Edmund falling uh, as far as he did. I thought he might even be a first round pick with the steals and the dual eligibility. Yeah, I would have thought so. But I think, I mean, yeah, and I think he's a good value there. I think he's going to forever be there. I feel like he went in the second, like beginning of the third round or second round last year to Perry. Yeah, I, I think he's just kind of that value of that, you know, doesn't doesn't have more of the upside, I guess, but because he runs enough and hits enough, it just, you know, it all and plays multiple positions, it accumulates to enough nice, like he's always just a good guy to have onto a team. You can move him around and and provide good value. I, again, I've been, but know, not somebody that I think is powerful enough or, you know, has enough upside to be kept. Right. Yeah. I think that's probably the right place for him. You in the fifth pick of the second round, I was again in card Cardinals, Twitter land this uh, off season. And yeah. Edmund I, has some like insane, spl like platoon splits. Sometimes he's going to be batting ninth, like when on the bad uh, side of the platoon. Uh, so it's just kind of a, a riskier guy, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. I, uh, and yeah, so he, um, and that's the thing that's interesting is that you could probably make the argument of him being a first round value, but I think, you know, so few guys are really drafting this year. I think a lot of times when you're drafting in the first round, you're hoping to get a keeper player, you know, 
sometimes, I mean, I'm looking at some of these picks, especially the closers, like I mean, they're this year guys for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense where he went 17th overall. That, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it works. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, I think it's funny. The second round, the two Rays pitchers go of Rasmussen of Springs of, you know, everybody loves their, either their pitch metrics or whatever, but it's, you know, neither of those guys is really proven into throwing a lot of innings. Each yeah. of those guys were were relievers prior to last year. Yeah, Spr- Springs and Snell are very, uh, you know, I put Snell in that bucket too. So I kind of made a choice there because, you know, I had Snell pretty high as well, and I decided just to go with the new thing in Springs and not run the whole the whole team back, the Snell, the Kershaw, Sale. Bring, uh, bring back, yeah, bring, bring them bring all back. back. I did to, to some degree, but yeah, those two get raised guys, and it's not only them, like how they pitch, but it's their manager and the team philosophy too. Like it does a, sol- a solid down. five inning, you know, start is perfect for the Rays because they're gonna, you know, pay, play Frankenstein with their bullpen and um, the matchups and stuff. So yeah, we'll see whether either of those guys plays out. They're both older than I uh, thought too, but they're close to thirty, if not already thirty, in Rasmussen and Springs. Uh, but you know, they kind of seem new because they were converted relievers. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of new to the the fantasy circles. Uh, we, we're kind of going like pick by pick here. So I, I don't want to do that through the whole draft. Any other, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of looking around at like early on. I think those were all the things that really stuck out. I mean, I, and so, I, do want to, I want to do yeah. talk about like each person also. So we can certainly talk about early picks by individuals when we, uh, we get to them as well. I did uh-huh. have another note on here that I wanted to address is, uh, so after the injury, um, the other night with of of Ben's first baseman, uh, what's the fuck his name? I forget his Hoskins. name. Yeah, Hoskins, because he's so uh, just the guy. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> ben Ben had to slide in uh, Sal Perez as a keeper instead of Hoskins. So be it. Uh, but then I maybe take a second look at uh, Gonsolin because he also said that Tim Anderson was also a possible keeper for Hoskins. Tony Gonsolin is not a good keeper. I mean, I think that this is like I paid a first round pick for him. I think so too. Like I'm looking at some of these rankings. Like pitcher list has Gonsolin as like the 55th uh, ranked pitcher. Eno Saris has Gonsolin and, as the 94th ranked player pitcher. Yeah, pitcher. And for some and, reason, he's always kind of hated on Gonsolin. But no, and Gonsolin pitched great last year. And but it once again, I don't think much more was proven of what we didn't already always know about him and why he would, you know, would go later. I mean, he missed pretty much all of 2021 with injuries or was in and out or ineffective. You know, 2022, he pitched great for, you know, four months and then didn't make it to the end of the year. And then you're going into this year. He's not going to start the year in the rotation. So I think when you add all that up, I agree. You got to you got to move on. And I think if you were to draft Gonsolin, you know, I, I don't know where he would have gone in the draft, but I don't, third round. I don't, I see him going past the third round. I yeah. think, you know, I think at that point he becomes probably a fourth or fifth round pick where, you, you know, like, you hope you, you draft him and you hope you get 20 good starts from him, but he's not as good as say a Kershaw or have that track record, you know, Charlie Morton or Tony Gonsolin. Charlie Morton, Miles Mikolas, or, or Tony Gonsolin. Uh, that's that's a lot closer to me. That, that, so that's the end of the third round. Bill took Mikolas. So like, yeah. yeah, end of the third round, early fourth round. Like Patrick Sandoval went next. That's probably a, like a toss up. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. No, I think yeah that fourth yeah fourth and again rounder end of the third. Not that the fifty fifth ranked pitcher or starting pitcher overall is a bad thing. Like we have fourteen teams, we are all going to roster seven or eight starters. That means we're playing a hundred starters. So this guy, whether you think he's ranked fiftieth or seventieth or ninetieth, like he's still rosterable, but just not also to flip this around though ben doesn't have a pick until the fourth round sure now in this scenario so it made it would impact your i guess keeper decision but yeah i think that can be reconsidered of anderson or him or yeah so he spent he i think he absolutely should have kept sal perez over tony gonsolin just to fill that catcher slot i don't have a ton of early picks now tim anderson he also had uh he also had the uh shortstop pop up last year in, in Swanson. So maybe you don't keep two shortstops, but Tim Anderson, like the athletic on dynasty rankings has Tim Anderson as 88 and Gonsolin as 200th. So like there's, there's just, it's a, a big gap. It's yeah. a despair. Really big, like, yeah. You just like grin and bear it and say, I'm keeping two shortstops. I guess my infield <laughs> is full. Like you have, you have eight sec or eight third basemen and you just do it. Cause that's where the value is. Like you're not keeping a worse pitcher just to fill your, uh, you know, your keepers in a more balanced manner. So I just, I wanted to bring that up because I didn't catch it pre-draft, but like Tony Gonsolin, I'm sorry, Reese Hoskins did me one last service and that was to shine a light on Tony (laughs) Gonsolin and that stupid keeper decision. Sorry, Ben. Sorry, Ben. But I'll, uh, I'll take the Tim Anderson. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah. You, you ended up with Anderson instead of Bogarts because of that. So let us start running through some of these teams then. Uh, and I'm not sure whether you've gone team by team, but I want to touch on... I typically have, yeah. I want to touch on some of the picks they made, ones we liked, ones we didn't like, and then in the context of what were they trying to do going into the draft? Did they have a ton of draft capital? They're trying to compete this year. Are they trying to build a keeper set? You know, How do we think uh, they met their their goals? And their goals might be different than what we think their goals are. Uh, up. I can honestly say I have no clue what Pat ever is thinking at any point in time. So maybe he aced the draft in his own mind and I might think he didn't, but uh, I think we can kind of evaluate each guy based on what we think they, they should have done. Uh, so unless you have any other thoughts, we could just start, start in. No, that sounds great. All right. So the first one up and I'm not sure these are in any particular order was Ricky. Uh, so coming into it, Ricky did not have a ton of picks. His first pick, uh, was in the third round. So Anthony Anthony Rizzo was his first pick. Uh, after that, he picked in the fifth and then the seventh. So this was a guy that was trying to compete last year. He did compete at a great season, but he paid the price in the draft. Uh, and I look at his team, and aside from Rizzo, I don't see a lot of difference makers that he added uh, through the draft. It, it just seems I, like... I guess the- with Miranda, you're, I, I mean, I think the Rizzo pick was right on the mark. The value was there. I thought, you know, just a great, you know, a, a great this year guy to add. I think he fits into his team well, all of that. I guess Miranda, you kind of play, has some youth on his side, so you think there's upside? Yeah, and he was a guy that, like, maybe would have been kept on an, on a different team, a lesser team, like a Brendan might have kept a Miranda or, you know, a Trevor might have kept a guy like that. Uh, so, yeah, that that's a decent early upside play. I. I kind of disagree about the Rizzo thing. Like I know Ricky had Rizzo last year and he did well for him, but Ricky also traded for Jose Abreu and kept him. So Rizzo, 
he can't even play infield because Ricky also has Trey Turner and oh, Francisco yes, so He's playing him as a util guy. Okay. So with your first pick, you take Rizzo again, fine enough hitter, but like you could have taken like Brandon Lowe went with the next pick and now, and instead his second base is Luis Urias, which he took in the 14th round. You can take could have taken like Yelich or a starter. So like he, he really basically filled his utility, uh, with that, that first pick. So I like Rizzo as much as the next guy. He was on my list if I didn't get Nate Lowe. Uh, so I, I like the guy. I like the pick-ish, but not the fit for uh, for Ricky's team, given kind of what he was looking at. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't get as worried, I guess, with, you know, clocking the utility, I guess, because I feel like it's just tough to get enough good hitters as it is. But I, I get that argument in terms of value, especially if it's, you know, your only decently high pick to take a guy with. And yeah, I think I would have liked Yelich there probably a little bit better, you know, easier to fill into the one of the four outfield slots. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I get that a little bit, but I, I thought that pick was all right. Um, and then, but I, you know, at least of anybody I like, I'd say, you know, of his later picks, the only ones that I, I'd say I really like is, and it's funny because I feel like this guy goes back and forth is, but him being later is fine. It's worth the risk is Hanniger, you know, yeah. being, been uh late i feel like you know he every year either gets overdrafted or then he's forgotten about it It usually alternates with that year that he's hurt or not yep um can't you imagine hanniger uh having the same season as chris bryant this year like barring oh yeah i know know he's dealing with an injury but like they they both have injury track record history it's just yeah uh so yeah i could definitely see that um i uh you know I thought like the other, like I, I liked the other pick I like was I like Whit Merrifield now that he's with the Jays, um, you know, may even get, I think, I think he'll get a good amount of plate appearances there. He's on a better team. So I like kind of betting on that bounce back a little bit. Uh, I also, I also like the Brendan Donovan pick. I mean, those were guys I was just kind of, I was interested in putting at second base later. Uh, Tyler Stevenson, I, I like, I think that was a good catcher to get that late. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, see, I wasn't even looking at catchers, so I wouldn't know. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, Brendan Donovan's had a great excuse me, spring training. He's got uh position eligibility like all over the the diamond. Um so yeah, those are decent picks. I I guess I just look at Ricky's team and I, I identify, okay, here are his keepers, they're scary guys. I don't know if he added any other scary guys in the draft. He just added, you know, kind of what you would expect uh having a bunch of late draft picks. But I think some of the other teams that have late draft picks did a better job. I'll say that. So, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, exactly. The only, the only guy where I'm like, oh yeah, he made his team better was, was Rizzo, but that was his one high pick. And I, yeah, yep. the other things I think are more just kind of good. Oh, maybe he bounces back, you know, and maybe that's a good value. Urquidy was his fourth pick. I think that was also bringing a guy back. Urquidy might not even make the rotation. Um, Sean Mania's reclamation project. So, I don't know. We won't pick on uh, Ricky too much or go pick by pick, but uh, I thought that this might be the year that it finally catches up to him. Last year, he also competed without much draft capital, did a great job, and we'll see whether he's able to do it this year. I mean, it's still, it's still, it's like you said, you look at it and it's like he still has potentially three really great starters in Wheeler, Javier, and Urias. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and then obviously the offensive players to carry him. Yeah. One, uh, kind of underrated thing is like the the catcher or excuse me the closer landscape this year especially with hater being kept and diaz being hurt it's just there's only like seven or eight guys that are for sure things so I, 
So, yeah, and that's one thing I'll say on mine is, like, I had guys fall to me in the third round. I think that's because a lot of closers went early. And it was easy for me to decide to just go, okay, well, then I'm ignoring closers pretty much. Right. Just kind of the way the draft was going. Because there just wasn't that many guys. And once the few started going, it's like, okay, I'll just, I'll sit this one out. Yeah, you can't afford to take uh, those guys, especially you weren't. But like, if you're missing some picks, you know, even the guys like Fairbanks or Bednar, like you just can't, you can't take those guys. Um, You have to take other positions. Yeah, so you're not uncertain on Ricky was uh, kind of so-so. Um, let's look at Pat, the owner of four second round, or excuse me, five second round picks. Uh, so start out with McKenzie and Lodolo, both good young pitchers to add to a keeper set that was really lacking uh, in town. Yeah, I, I thought I was 100% on board with each of his first round picks. I thought they were great. I think I think Presley, uh, considering that Class A and Williams and Romano went in those first six picks, getting Presley there was also really good. Um, not sure he would have lasted till the next bunch of Pat's picks. And then, and then he has the big five um, picks and, you know, whatever, seven picks or eight in an eight pick range. Uh, he took, he took the bell of the ball, Lars Newt bar, right. went all the way to the second round. Uh, I think, I mean, I, I, I get all these picks are rationalized to me. Uh, I don't love Matt Chapman there. But then again, if he would have probably swapped Garcia and Chapman where he took Chapman at the end of the third and Garcia at the beginning, I think I'd say, oh, yeah, that was fine. Um, so I think overall on those picks, he did good. I just I, I look at Pat's team, though, and it's just still not that good. I think these guys are all worthy of where he took them. Yeah. Uh, and, it you know, it, it added value to his team and all that. But his team is just so far behind. I think it just doesn't, you know. I don't think it will matter. That's how I see it. It's kind of the flip side of Ricky's team. Whereas I look, I look at Ricky's like keepers and I'm like, Oh, I'm scared of those guys. Trey Turner, you know, uh, Urias. I look at Pat's team and I see all the kind of this year guys, like the decent guys, the good guys you want to draft, but I don't see any of those like really scary guys that can go toe to toe with. Some yeah. It doesn't players. like it made his team better, but it doesn't sum up to anything. So, and it's interesting. Like, how do you, like whose team is better, Ricky or Pat's for this year? Is it Ricky with the strong keepers, the weak weaker draft, or Pat with the weak weak ass keepers? Uh, for I'd that? still yeah, I'd still bet on Ricky's obviously. Yeah, and also there's uh, there's more more room for improvement on Ricky's team because he's got like eight or nine excellent players and then crap. So throughout the year he can build non crap, whereas Pat has a bunch of okay ish good players. It's harder to add. You have you have fewer holes, so to speak. Uh, so you start swapping out, you know, decent enough, pretty guys. decent guys yeah. for maybe somebody who's a little bit better, but not really going to make your roster that much better than what it already is. And how can you ever even attain some of the, like the quality of guys that Ricky has? You know, you need a big jump. For, you need Lars or Lars to become a, a superstar or Riley Green or something. So I think that's harder to do. Uh, so yeah, Ricky has an easier path to get better. I'll say it that way. Yeah. But yeah, Pat Pat's team like looks solid. Uh just lacking that uh that overall high end talent. Uh, and I and guess it, that's probably his thing is he'll see, you know, he wants to see those younger players play. If it doesn't work out, these are all guys probably that are gonna be pretty easy to move off again for second and third round picks, you know. Yeah, maybe refine like those. Singer, Singer and Stanton and Chapman, et cetera, and Presley. For for sure. Yeah, you could uh 
flip those guys and try to pick a new eight and go into it again next year, do the same thing. Pat, I'm sure, is convinced that he's competing this year. Uh, next up is Speed. Uh, I thought this was a fine a fine draft by Speed. He was missing some picks here and there. He didn't have a first-round pick because uh, of gave it up for Castellonis prior to last season in hopes of going back-to-back. Seemed fine at the time. Uh, you know, In hindsight, it seems like not a great move now, but I think Speed had a pretty good draft. He, he got uh, Montgomery in the second, Castellonis in the second, uh, Yelich, Seawald, Clay Holmes, like Mitch Keller. I like, you know, the first several rounds of his draft for sure. Yeah, I like all of his. Uh, Montgomery really like Yelich. I, you know, I was looking at Yelich in the third as well. Um, Castellonis, I had in that range with like Yelich and Rizzo. How I, I just, you got I don't know, but it's I'm, hard to believe he's dead after one year. It's right? hard to believe he's dead, but on the other hand, he could just be dead. <laughs> We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But I, I like speed drafting him back, I guess, giving him another shot. Uh, I I really like the – I think I love the Mitch Keller pick, and I, you know, I was looking at getting – I didn't have a picks between four until seven, so I was hoping I'd get Mitch Keller at, you know, like seven or eight, but speed took him there. Uh, so I thought that was a little more aggressive for him, but I like kind of making that move. I like – the post type of Cabrian Hayes a lot. Um, right. And then I, I mean, it's tough because I don't think I would have done it in the fourth round, but I, I kind of like Seawald just because of everybody thinks Munoz is just going to take that job. And right. Seawald's been pretty good last year. And I didn't really know much of, about him when Evan traded for him. And I remember saying that, but then you actually look into it and he's pitched really well. So I think no. he'll probably hold on to that. We all think that the the 10 out of 10 pitcher should get the job, but if there's an eight out of 10 pitcher ahead of him and has the do- job, yeah, he, do- he doesn't get yeah. the job. Like if there's a seven at- or a six out of 10 pitcher ahead of him, yeah, he's going to get the job, but like Seawald's good enough to hold him off. And then they can tell themselves that they're going to play matchups with Munoz and bring him in. He gets the heart of the order in the seventh and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I like speeds draft overall. I mean, he didn't have a ton of excess picks given that he had traded away his first round pick, but he did a good job of kind of adding in more of the middle rounds there. Uh, and so, and I liked kind of what he did there. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I look at speed seam. I identify again, the high end talent, which is scary. And I say, okay. And he's got a bunch of this year, good guys that he added. And I think I- like somebody like his first pick being Montgomery, I think Montgomery's that, you know, he's not a super high end pitcher. He's, I feel like he's going to be like the Jordan Zimmerman where he's not kept. Any right. year, but you're pretty sure you're going to get 180 innings of, you know, and 20, co- you know, and 20 quality starts and, you know, just kind of those kind of counting stats. Jordan Zimmerman is a perfect name. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that's comparable. Back end of the first round, sometime in the second. If he lasts to the early third round, you're like, yes, please. Yeah, yeah you're all over it. That. So I like, yeah, James- so I think for T- for Speed's team, that was great. I like Jamison Tyon late. Uh, you know, for the Cubs, I think he's going to be pretty decent. And then Jake Fraley, his last round pick or his 16th round pick, I'd take Jake Fraley as a fourth outfielder. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure that Yoshida is going to have more value than Jake Fraley this year. Like that, that's a that's a coin flip for me. Um, you know, at least based on what Fraley's done in small sample sizes, that's a that's a fun guy to get in the 16th round. Yeah, and he also got the uh, the Diamondbacks catcher late too. Uh, yeah. yeah. But- Typically, like rookie, I feel like catchers are way slower to develop, but I like at least, you know, 
at that round and grabbing it to see, you know, he's going to get plenty at bats in Arizona and, you know, looks like he should have a good offensive future for a catcher. All right. Uh, let's talk about Bill. You know, aside from the Tony Gonsolin thing, uh, I've been thinking a lot about Bill also. Bill came into the draft with the, the first pick in the rookie round, the first pick in the the regular draft. It just, it all feels bungled to me. And I mean, I think it started with the keeper decision and basically having to paper over that or, or make up for it by taking Logan Gilbert. Great. But like Josh Jung was basically the the first pick of the, uh, the draft this year. Like that's, yeah, I, I can't, he, as soon as I heard he was taking one, I wanted Gilbert, like, you know, yeah. I was hoping Gilbert would fall to me, you know, and then he pulls him back. I, uh, but yeah, so I feel, I can't help but feel Bill had a great opportunity here with the number one waiver and the number one pick and seemed to just kind of let a lot of value slip through. There's so many things that he could have done with it too. Like, he, he could have the combo Brendan has right now. So Bill had four excellent starters if he had kept Gilbert. And then he could have added Class A and Batista to that. With the and, first then, and then you have a great starting. He already had, would have a great starting rotation like yeah. he's had and two top closers. And then, you know, obviously hindsight being 2020, but then still taking Bogarts at the end of the first round. And then, oh, all of a sudden, you know, the offense isn't so bad with, you know, throwing Bogarts into that. So, yeah, I agree. And then, you know, obviously he has the disaster of Vaughn Grisham being not making the opening day roster. Uh, you know, you, you have the unknowns of Jung there. Uh, so, I, I, and here's to say, like, I really liked some of his later round picks of, you know, guys that I was trying to target late, what, guys like Winker and Brian De La Cruz. And King, I, think have, King I like on the, the yeah. Yankees. Like, these are all guys, yeah, they're great to have. Tovar on the uh, the Rockies. Yeah, I so I liked all those, uh, and like I said, I I just I liked the chasing the upside with the Freddie Peralta pick too, um, and then kind of balancing that out. I feel like Mike Loss is probably more just consistent middle of the rotation glue, um, you know, to fill in for all those innings that Peralta may not pitch. Right. But but yeah, the I can't get over just the kind of fumbling between the keeper rookie and first overall pick scenario. And I think he was in a tough spot because he didn't want to put those guys subject to the rookie round. Right. You know, but I think he kind of got two in his head about it and just kind of lost sight of a decent amount of value in the process. I mean, maybe Colas and Jung have like stellar seasons and prove us. And, and if they do, we'll have to bring him on the pod yep. and we're going to have to apologize. Sure. You know, <laughs> One other thing really bothered me about this, and you know, I probably talk for a while and come at it from every angle. I was texting Bill, asking him what he was going to do with these first picks. And on the text chain, I, I kind of scrolled up to see what I had last talked to him about. And there was like a little trade um, stuff from last year. But also, sometime in like June last year, I said, hey, Bill, will you out waiver Housky for Corbin Carroll for me? And I'll trade for him. And he said, no, I want to I want to stick with my top waiver. So not only did he not get me Corbin Carroll, but he didn't get himself Corbin Carroll with that number one waiver. Instead, he got Oscar Colas with the number one waiver. So I'm going to be comparing Colas. I'd say it's always 2020. I know. I know. Yeah, it's funny when you look back on that. Yeah. I mean, you're holding that number one pick for your guy, like the 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 biggest hype guy, and then to use it this way again, we all could be wrong. Like we could be look stupid two months from now, but right now it seems not not to look good especially 
I mean, we just go back to it's a guy that wasn't consensusly, you know, sure. ranked up there. I think it would have been he could have probably pulled the move like Housky did and that offered up a, a pick mm-hmm. to get Koalas from somebody else later, you know? Yeah. And like, where does he go in the in the regular draft? Like if you take him in the sixth round, like that's pretty safe, right? Like, You're probably good. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Like you said, hindsight's 2020 on some of these things. Uh, but yeah, you know, Bill, I hope he makes the playoffs someday. At, at some point, I'm just going to keep making Kyle Kyle comparisons, and I, I don't want to because you know I didn't <laughs> like Kyle at all for many reasons. We like, yeah, we like, like Bill. Bill. Yeah, so uh, do better, Bill. All right, <laughs> moving on. Halski, uh, I I found myself. Did you say during the draft that you really like? You were like, I really like what Halski's doing. You know what? Sometimes a guy makes a good pick, and I'm like good pick and then i look at his other picks and it might not be all of them but there'll be like two or three other ones and i'll be like man he's i like some of his picks and then i i think to myself do i like him because i like those players and you know i could be wrong about those players too we both could be wrong like i'm giving this guy credit for getting guys i like but maybe we're both wrong but like yeah yeah invariably if if you take a guy that i was interested in i say oh great picky and and yeah we, we both could be wrong who who knows so yeah, Brian and Ray, I thought were both great, great picks at the end of the round there. Uh, Munoz, the fact that he got him back in the fourth was was great. I'm not sure about Puck there in the fourth, but um, you know, Marte. Yeah, that's I, aggressive and assuming he, he's not he's even known the, to have that job, job yeah. and it's not like the Marlins are really that good, you know. And you know what? I would floor like Floro, Evan got in the tenth round. Like I would have taken Floro also and like handcuff yourself so that be like, okay, yeah, I, if you do I've that. I've got the Miami closer, whether it's Puck or Floro. Yeah. Um, like that's what I was, you know, did with Fairbanks and taking Fairbanks and, and Adam. Yeah, that, that I like that a lot for you. That was smart. If you if you're gonna do that, it's like you have to commit to doing getting that other guy too. And I know Seawald was already gone because speed took him before Munoz, but it would have been nice to do a Seawald Munoz kind of stack also. Then you know you're getting your 30 saves from two guys. You just don't know how it's going to break out. And you're going to get great. And they're great both shoes. good pitch. And they're both good pitchers. Yeah, and they're both going to pitch 70 innings. And and not every team st- you know, has five closers come playoff time either at this point. Like yeah. you can have a, a non-closer. Uh, I like the Alec Bohm pick. Maybe that was a round early, but I think he's going to be better if he can just have launch angle <laughs> included in this game a little bit. I think the I think the playoffs really kind of like unlocked some of those Phillies between like Bryson Stott and Alec Boehm, not to say they're going to be like all-stars, but I think that playoff run did a lot for those. Yeah, it's interesting to see what kind of leaps they make, you know? I liked liked the Eflin pick in the ninth. Like, Eflin is a guy. I really liked Eflin, yeah. I was looking at, like, Eno Saris has, like, a stuff plus, so it's, like, how good is your actual stuff, like, the shape of your pitches, velocity, everything. And he said that Eflin's stuff plus for his curveball went from, like, 100 with the Phillies to, like, 130 which is really high with the the Rays and spring training. So they like unlock something in him again. He's yeah, and like I think he's always been, too, but... I think he's always been considered a guy maybe from the scouts or whatever to have good stuff, but we haven't seen it in the results right? of, you know, and it's, and leave it to the race to always kind of seem to get the most out of guys nice. in that just kind of, even like you're saying with the pitch design or what they use or tweaking his grip or something, but to get say, you know, you'll get better results throwing it this way i'm not saying it's a for sure thing or even like 50 50 but i think there's like a 25 percent chance that at the end of the day like zach efflin and jordan montgomery have similar ish like stat lines like i think yeah 
like mid to high threes ERA could pitch, you know, a ton of innings, you know, with eight or nine K per nine. I think, um, yeah, I think that's the only other question mark in that Eflin hasn't thrown a lot of innings. Right. Prior some injury uh, things. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the Rays don't have $40 million to throw around and they committed a lot of money to him. So you got to, you know, if you're going to bet with somebody, I'd kind of bet with those guys. I think that was the biggest free agent uh, signing the Rays. It was. Had. Which it was since wild, um, right? it was since like Fred McGriff, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, so okay, uh, I also like the uh, the Ashby Dartley, I like the Kluber Dartley, Pearson. I'm not as big of a believer. I like the Royce Pearson Lewis starting off in the minors, which yeah. is dumb. I I like the Royce Lewis stash when he said Lewis, and I was like uh, Royce, and like I'm like at that point I didn't have any more picks left, but I was like hoping beyond hope that somehow he made it through. Uh, but that was a yeah. decent pick. Conforto, I think, you know, with health wise, could be pretty decent too. How many how many years in a row is Halski going to draft this guy though? I don't. I mean, that guy was like a bona fide keeper for a year or two there. Yeah, and I like him going to San Fran. I think that's you know, Kier, I think it's a good. Here, I'm, I'm not as big of a believer on these days. Uh, he's never shown me anything. Um, but yeah, and he keeps I like getting most, hurt. I like most of these picks. Uh, so. And then Pasky obviously has a really good keeper set too. So I thought he did a yeah. good job. Exciting guys. Uh, I I liked him. He got Trevor Rogers back too. I like that on a potential bounce back. Um, I really, like you said, I really loved the Robbie Ray pick. I don't, I'd say my least favorite pick still was kind of Chris Bryant. And, you know, maybe I'll live to regret that one, but I just didn't love it in the first round. I thought it would have been, you know, and granted, to be fair to Housky, Housky had two first round picks. He didn't have second and third round picks. So if you wanted to get Bryant, he had to get him there. So yep. I get it from that side, but uh, yep. but didn't love it in the first round. To your, to your point of not having second and third round picks, that's probably the perfect place to get Presley as like that last closer that probably has. The yeah, job and it's going to be a lead Could've gone so that route. I think maybe that in hindsight would have been a better uh, a better pick. Uh I am I am going to give Housky credit for self control though. I know he wanted to keep Munoz like in it, you know, deep in his <laughs> deep in his bones. I was and, hoping he would. Yeah, and I, so was I. And I'll give him credit. He he stuck to him. He didn't even get him in the rookie round, and he fell back to him. And he got him in the fourth round. You know, very well done, Housky. You you can you controlled your kink. I'm not saying I love this guy, but like Jorge uh, Polanco in the ninth round, also like that guy was a first round pick. Uh, a year or two ago and whether or not you thought that was a good pick like he probably should go higher than this like yeah he's an infielder who i feel like has a high floor you know you know he's going to be usable in your lineup yeah so you know i like that pick too um but yeah Housky had some early picks he was missing the second and third but he had three fourths and so he had he had draft picks to play with uh as the last team not to make the, the playoffs last year so he should have a good draft and he did. Uh, next up, Perry. So I'm not sure what was up Perry's, <laughs> but at the at that draft, the, the poor guy, I, I guess he felt I, I was yelling at him because I was trying to like expedite the... <laughs> you were, I liked how during the draft, you and this was funny because it was like when Duty and Perry and Evan had all their picks and you're just like, move it along, guys. Make sure, yeah, you were making sure guys two or three ahead, yeah, yeah, had their like, picks ready, yeah, like knew who, like, hey, you're coming up, get a guy, because yeah, which I agree. At that point in the draft, we gotta, we gotta be moving, you know, we, the, you know, uh, pizza waits. The first ten rounds of the draft draft took two and a half hours, 
the last seven rounds took an hour. So like, yeah, it was, it was twice as fast. Uh, those last rounds. Cause yeah, we, we got, and, and as it should. And I think, I think last year we moved at a really good pace. I think this year we kind of took a step back on the pace. Well, I think uh, the, the first round this, this year went so fast, didn't it? Like I think yeah. I, everyone knew who they're taking, but those, those middle rounds, um, I mean, Pat took like a 30 minute break in the four picks in the <laughs> second round. But yeah, I uh, was trying, wasn't trying to rush anybody specifically. If anything, I wanted the next guy and the next, next guy to know, uh, they were up that it was their pick. Then the I think it just so the... happened. Perry had a lot of picks then, and you know, Perry had also had a lot of time to to hit that bottle of whiskey beforehand, yeah. and it's just kind of a combination of two. And we know Perry doesn't like to be rushed along on anything. I feel like, yeah, my parents asked how the draft went because I they knew. I was like, they're like, how's Josh? I'm like, oh, he's fine. He's Josh. I said <laughs> he didn't he didn't drink till thirty five, but he's making up for it now. Yeah. <laughs> He started drinking at 11 a.m. Uh, back to Josh's draft. I like most of what he did. Like, again, he's got a decent enough keeper set. Um, you know, his first pick was in the sixth round, and then the next pick started in the ninth round. So, like, Areas was just a plug-in anywhere guy for duty last year. He's one of those one-year guys that you need. Um I don't know, like the fact that you got Eugenio Suarez in the tenth round, like that's a guy you could. That picks, yeah, that's great. Runs. I mean, yeah, people forget he had thirty, what, thirty-two home runs last year. Yeah, like uh, Loriano is like two seasons removed from being a, a keeper level guy. Trevor had him for a little while there. Uh, not saying you're going to get the best guys late, but like Ahmed Rosario. What? what yeah, I that was one got? where I. I was really tempted to take him, I think, in the both seventh and eighth rounds because I couldn't believe he was around as just big set of good value, but I felt like I'd already had enough offense. So I yeah, I really like the Rosario pick from him. That's enough that's another guy with a good with infield and outfield eligibility, which is awesome. Will Myers yeah. was a guy that I look at the first base or outfield eligibility. Like he was on my list of guys. Like he could, like you say, just fuck around and hit twenty five home runs in Cincinnati. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I think Perry did a really good job on the filling out his offense. I think given where his draft was at of, I think, you know, I could see, you know, a few of these guys, if not all of them, you know, providing, you know, like you said, Loriano, Eugenio Suarez, Will Myers, Ahmed Rosario, all being, I mean, you could see them all being top 100 players, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's again, not, you don't have to squint that hard. Not a, not a for sure thing or even that all, not at all. Go, yeah. But, like, but yeah, if two or three of the five he's got uh, on offense are, then that that's great. That's what yeah. you want. Um, Carrasco quietly had a really solid year last year, too. Um, and he still went pretty late just because he's older. Um, Martin Perez is in the, the same mold as the Miles Mickey losses and the uh, the Corbin Kellys. Uh, and he went. Man, and that guy just kept falling. And I, it's he funny. Nobody 11. believed in him. So Mikolas goes in the third. And again, you might prefer one of these guys over the other, but like, yeah, but they're pretty much the same. They pretty much had the same year and that they weren't drafted last year. And, you know, each had great years without striking a ton of guys out. Yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, dart throws on Pavetta and Gore and Ronzi Contreras could all work out. Josh's punting uh, saves, which I think given his lack of draft capital is probably smart. And he's got that anchor in Josh Hader. So if Josh is competing, boom, he trades for two closers. He's got three closers. Good to go. Uh, If he's not competing, then, you know, so be it. He's, he doesn't have a bunch of useless closers. He's got to, to sell off. So, I mean, 
he yeah, I thought it was overall pretty fine. And Jackson Holiday, he comes out of it like a a nice thing for next year. So he didn't have any any draft capital. I mean, you, you were critical of him last year, of, you know, both trading it all away and perhaps the guys he got back for it. Uh, but I think he made the best of a bad situation. I'm not sure we'll be a top team, but he will have a, a pretty decent functional team this year, I think. Whether we trust Perry in-season management to actually fill we'll in see. Holes, you we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> you say he's an in-season manager now. I, well, as long as he invests all of his future draft picks, he can, he can make it happen. He can do it. One more thing I'll ask you, uh, the, isn't it funny how there's always like one guy that you're like, ah, shit, I forgot about him at the end of the draft and I can't believe he wasn't drafted. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, I'm looking at free agent now and there's, there's certainly guys that. Like I had a guy on my list, but it's like, you're just drinking Coors Lights and, you know, (laughs) and you just assume he got drafted. So you forget about it. And then you look at the free agency later and you're like, oh, holy shit. And then. It also, makes the claim exciting, though, tomorrow morning. It also makes, uh, you know, sometimes you fill your roster and it's like, oh, I can't get, I can't even, like, it just works out that you can't roster a guy that you wanted that was really high on your list. He was an option. You were going between him and someone else. And you pick the one guy and the other guy makes it all the way through to free agency. So, yeah, that happens. Still. Just like, God. Well, we'll both be fighting over Charlie Blackman. I'm sure, Ian. <laughs> get those claims in, man. <laughs> All right, my friend, until next time, we'll talk about the the remaining teams uh, and and put that out for folks uh, by opening day. All right, sounds good. Have a good night. Later.